Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on a whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to the Big Travel Podcast. I'm Lisa Francesca Nand. If you love music, love travel, and even like a bit of football, you're in for a treat because our guest this episode has some of the most brilliant stories about travelling as a photographer with some of the world's most famous footballers, rock stars, and movie stars. Whether that's being tackled by security at the FA Cup final, to being recognised by Bradley Cooper on the red carpet, and generally having fun hanging out on the tour bus. Her latest venture is the Selfie Guide, for which she travels the world's best destinations, finding the best selfie spots. So we just have to turn up and click. Sharon Latham is on the Big Travel Podcast. I have two roles in life, two major roles, apart from being a mum. I am a photographer, per se, and also I own the business, The Selfie Guide. I've gone from music photography to sport photography, back to music photography. My first sports break was in Liverpool, non-league, and I started following and helping out with a non-league team called AFC Liverpool. And we basically, it was the first season and I was asked and tasked to follow them round, which was great fun. It's not football as you know it, trust me. It's on the most bizarre pitches you've ever seen in some of the most bizarre conditions. But I loved it and realised I was quite good at it. Then invested in more equipment, got quite a lot of freelance work and then ended up working at the Etihad for Manchester City. Freelanced there for a while and then in 2010 I was asked if I was going to apply for the uh, main role as the photographer there and I was employed in 2010 as Man City's first ever female club photographer. Being at Manchester City, in what year were we talking that you started there? So I started officially as the club photographer there in 2010. So I was there when everything started happening. So when everything was winning and it was, I was blessed and very proud to be part of that team then because we got the 2011 FA Cup, 2012 Premier League with the Aguero last minute goal. And then 2014, there was Community Shields, there was Capital One Cups. So I was there when it all started, which was amazing. That must have been an incredible time to be there. It was before that, Manchester City were a bit like the underdog, weren't they? Yeah, I've been a City fan. Oh, you have? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. That so was it is, my next yeah. question. So it is a case of talk about your dream job. But yeah, it, as soon as that investment came in and, the, and the, the players were put together as a group and some of the players that we had back then, and it was just a phenomenal time to be involved in football and at Manchester City. So you're quite upfront and close to the footballers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, part of the thing of being a photographer, you've got to gain their trust and you've got to be able to get on their level. So luckily for me, I'm quite a, an outspoken sort of, not a shy wallflower. I'm quite an outspoken lady. So um, yeah, I blended in quite well with the world of male domination, shall we say. 
it's difficult in some ways because some of them have different characters. But at the end of the day, yeah, I'm, I'm close friends still with a lot of them from that team as well. And they're big superstars. When you first went in there, was it like, were you nervous or in any way? I think it was a little bit intimidating, but ultimately I just viewed them all as, as individuals because they are all individuals. They're all different people. They all still do the same. They're not, you know, they're nothing alien. I mean, I worked with Mario Balotelli, which is unbelievably ridiculously funny but yeah I, I don't think it was uh, you know nervous or anything like that it was a slight will I be able to gel with these people well enough and quick enough and that was it and I did luckily for me. So did you get to travel with the team? Yeah everywhere from pre-seasons in Hong Kong America to European games when we were in the Europa League some unusual obscure places and then obviously in Champions League all over the, the main all over the main parts of Europe. A bloody seriously dream job yeah, for any amazing. photographer, Honestly, any amazing. football fan. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I, I sort of developed my skills over the years being there because it was just it was hard graft. It was seven days a week. It was every training session, every home game, every away game. So you didn't get any time off, and it was very long hours, and everything was fast paced because you got to get the pictures out quickly. So you learn on the hoof on how to adapt to everything as well. And they'd never had a club photographer, so there was nothing in place to say this is how we like it. So I was sort of like setting the the bible, so to speak. Presumably, you'd then see your photos in the press. Oh, everywhere. Yeah, the website. I mean, we did some groundbreaking stuff because we started delivering images from inside the training ground that no other team were doing, doing behind the scenes. And I was able to get access in the gym, in the restaurants and stuff like that where the players were eating. So we were, we were doing some groundbreaking stuff. And from there, it, it developed into like the video guys were got access. And so the Man City YouTube channel is amazing. Groundbreaking stuff, but great fun. Great fun. So when you're travelling with the team, what was the... Have you got any standout moments, any stories you can tell us? God, there's loads. From bizarre things like interviewing Mario Balotelli with Noel Gallagher, which was a bizarre one, to watching kit men interact with footballers on a bizarre level and swimming in fountains. That was the kit men, not the footballers. All sorts. I mean, they were a serious team, but they also knew how to have some fun, but not in a, an obscure way. Was, is there a certain code about what stays on tour, almost oh, stays God, yeah. on tour? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. What goes on on tour? So stays on tour, yeah. yeah. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Exactly. Yeah, so, is it so a similar sort of thing with football? Yes, yes, definitely. But again, that's trust thing, isn't it? If I breached any of that, my images would have been useless. So, What can you tell us? Tell us um, one of the standout trips that you went on. LA on a pre-season with Mr Mancini was quite standout because, again, the Mario Balotelli character was uh, rife on that on that trip and uh, there was a lot of sunbathing and a, a few paparazzi caught some shots of them in some bizarre swimming gear and attire. Mario had a pair of Versace swimming shorts on that were like really gaudy and awful and I remember Kolarov and Zeko were on the same sort of like sun lounges as well and they, he just stood out it was bizarre but it was just an amazing environment because MLS football and Premier League football are two completely different things so they were able to train really well and not get disturbed and bugged because it was a, it was not a football place really or soccer as they call it. To be then staying in like this amazing hotel in LA, you're sort of like, oh, it's a bit odd. Where's Carrington? Where's the where's the training ground? So yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was it was cool, but a bit bit different. You must be pinching yourself when you're in well, LA. Well, yeah, yeah, and in Hong and in Hong Kong, in Hong Kong, we had the most unbelievable weather I've never seen anything like it and it was so bad that I remember Vincent Company and again the kit man Chappie literally sliding on the training pitch because it was so wet it was just it was just like a swimming pool and they literally threw themselves on the floor and belly slid across the floor on the training ground because it was like how are we going to play in this but they had to 
What is so, a kit man? Is it someone who so, literally looks after the kit? Literally. And they are really close to the players. They've got to make sure everything's taken in, given out to them. And, and especially on pre-season tours, because you're staying in hotels, the kit is, is sort of kept with them. They have to deliver it to the rooms and everything. So, yeah, it's quite a key role. And they were very close to the players as well. Quite a big job. I never yeah. even knew that that was a... Yeah, if, a you think, if you think about it, if you're away, you've no home base for the kit. You've got to travel it in the hotel, usually to kill for a suite. And if you think you're away for like 10, 15 days, you've got loads to take with you and, and account for. And they deliver it to the rooms and pick it up and all the rest of it. So it's quite a taxing job, that. I'm thinking like of those sort of Daz commercials now with the, <laughs> with the keeping the whites white. But seriously, you've got a lot yeah. of Washing to do, yeah. The, 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 yeah. It's a really the, laund- job. the laundry at, at any training ground is the heart of it because they've got to have, got to turn everything around quick enough as well. Were there any negative experiences? Any time when you thought, oh God, this is going to, you know, uh, something's gone wrong? The biggest negative experience that happened wasn't negative, and it was it was an accident. It was the FA Cup final, and after we won the cup and the trophy was there, there was a big podium put in the middle of Wendy, Wembley Stadium for the players to go on to and trophy lift with the champagne. So they came. They were coming down from receiving the trophy down, and all the players were coming down the steps. And I was photographing them as they came down. They went onto the pitch, stood on this big podium, and I thought, right, walk on. So I walked onto the pitch and sort of like was ready to take the champagne shot. So they popped the cork, and the, the and everybody was cheering. Then the next thing, I was tackled to the floor by a security guard, and I'm thinking, what's his problem? Anyway, when I stood up and turned around, I realised I'd stood right in the middle. And behind me were 95 of the photographers from the world's press and media. So I'm just stood trying to get the shot, just totally engrossed in the moment and not realising they were all there to get the shot as well. This first trophy in 34 years and I stand in front of the trophy left. There's going to be pictures in some papers of you. I've got really? it, yeah. Oh, so I, when I left City in 2016, all of the photographers who I became friends with them signed the frame and gave me a picture of it all framed. And it's me just stood with my rather large backside bending over, taking the shot. And all you've got is me and that. And they couldn't see anything else. So I had to give them my shot to get out to the press and media. So that was the only biggest sort of like cock up, shall we say, I've ever done. And then negative wise, in honesty, was just was just the hours. It was such, such a taxing job. Especially when you're travelling for work. Yeah. I mean, it sounds great, you know, on paper, but and it probably is great, but you must be sacrificing your personal Family, life. everything. Yeah, I mean, for a good eight years, I was... That was my life. And it's fantastic as it is, but it is, it's taxing, it's exhausting. And creatively, as a photographer as well, it's it's quite the same all the time. So you sort of get, unless you want to carry on doing that for the rest of your life, which would have been brilliant, fine, but it, it's not, I had other ideas and I had other plans. So it sort of came to a logical conclusion. So when Pep said he was coming in in 2016, I thought, there's no point in getting to know another manager and another set of backroom staff. I might as well go now and make a break. So that's what I did. And you did something pretty fantastic after that as well. So you mentioned Noel Gallagher. Yeah. And you became his personal photographer? Well, or? basically, yeah. When I left, I was going into business with the selfie guy, but there was a gap in between. So I rang Noel up and said, so you're going on tour this year in 2016. He was doing festivals in the UK. So I said, can I, can I tag along? And he went, oh, all right then. So I went with him and, and we did a lot of work with his social media and stuff like that. And then I set the selfie guide up in, in November and I was away traveling then for 2017. And then at the end of 2017, I knew Noel had finished his, his album. So I rang him up again and said, so you're touring with the new album then? And he's like, yes, Charles, you can come along. So it was planned that I'd just go out for the first two weeks to America in February. 
and again we did a lot with his social media and put images out we were putting galleries out of behind the scenes of him in soundcheck and stuff like that and after a while we realized these were going down very well so i stayed a bit longer and then we were sat down going through some of the images one day and he said he said these are good aren't they and i said i think they're brilliant i said <laughs> i said i think they're amazing and i also think they're showing you in a completely different light because i said you're so relaxed and so happy happiest ever seen you and he's like yeah well it's it, great on tour he swore a lot I won't swear now he said it's great on tour it's fab we should show everybody so we decided then to do a book so I then ended up having to stay on tour for the whole year and we planned to get the book out for Christmas we have done and it's out on the shelves well I'm I'm, I'm going to talk about the book and also the selfie app as well but first of all from a travel point of view what was touring with Noel like different yeah this year was was unbelievably different so the first part of the tour in america the american tour buses are slightly different than uk tour buses and there was no room because i was like an extra entity so i was in a hire car right literally go to a gig do the sound check in the afternoon have a little bit of a rest get ready for the gig in the evening shoot the gig in the evening get all the pictures done and out and then get in the car and follow the buses all around america and then stay in the odd motel, sleep in the morning, get up in the afternoon, do sound check, and that's how it went. There was the odd day in between where I got a bit of time, but that was usually spent working and going through pictures and sorting stuff out. So it was literally, that was mental. But we saw some amazing venues in America. The venues are amazing. The theatres and all the rest of it are just old school and lovely. And then when we got to Europe, there was room on the tour bus, so I was then tour bus bound so on a tour bus which is a very strange experience what's strange about it i mean i've got musicians in the family i've heard some tour bus stories but yeah what is strange about i mean it? it's a case of you're sleeping in like these these small enclosed spaces that are like coffins and i'm six foot one so i'd wake up in the night and bash my head and think oh where am i so the sleeping arrangement's weird and then it's just you sort of lose track of space and time on the bus so like you'll leave a venue and it's dark and sometimes you'll arrive at a venue and it's dark and it's bizarre. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of late nights and a lot of alcohol to try and get you to sleep and wake you up. And yeah, it was, it was an experience. Is Noel still a bit, I mean, he's a bit more of a grown up now, but has he still got that sort of wild child element when he's on tour? He's a funny guy to be around. And the, the key thing I learned about Noel Gallagher on this tour is that he's very, very funny. His humour I've known anyway, but on tour he enjoys himself and has a good laugh. I've always loved his voice. In fact, in the Oasis days, I always loved his songs more than Liam's. He's just got something really... It's a caramel voice, isn't yes, it? Yes, definitely. It is, it is, and I think it's got better with age. I'm not just saying that. I just think, if you listen back, I just think he's... And I love how professional but funny he is. So he's professional. He'll he'll stick to his routines and things, but at the end of the day, he's still having a laugh as well. He does have a laugh. And the band at the moment are so... They get on so well. It's great fun to be around and it's great fun to capture those moments and you have to sort of get used to sitting back and photographing those moments so that you don't get in the way and you capture those candid parts. When you're travelling, do you get to see stuff? I mean, you mentioned going, turning up where things are, are dark. Do you, do you actually get to, Not to really, see no. any cities? Or Not really. Dark? This was the thing way back in the football days. It was a very similar situation because you'd arrive at a, a location, you'd go to the training ground to train, you'd come back to the hotel, you'd get up at dinner time or morning, mid-morning, do what you're doing after doing a late night of editing and then you'd be straight down to the stadium again to start ready for the game because sometimes those European Champion League games are only you know there for two days but I always snuck out I always got up really early and I'd sneak out and go and get a selfie somewhere so if we were in you know if we're playing Rome I'd go grab a selfie somewhere and and then get back and I've got loads of them from all over from the footballing days and it's the same when I was with Noel in certain parts of America I'd nip off dead quickly 
like we're in Washington. I ran around Washington for about an hour and a half just grabbing pictures and what have you. So I tried to make time, but no, you don't really, it's not like a, a holiday holiday, so to speak. Did you see any weird stuff along the road when you were doing the road trips in America? Because oh, there's God, really yeah. some strange some, things some, yeah, when you drive yeah. across the States. Driving from, I can't remember, was it Detroit to Washington? Or one of those, or Ohio to Washington. It suddenly went from being really industrialised to then just nothing. And I was driving through these hills and I'm thinking, oh God, is sat enough sending me somewhere weird here? But it wasn't. It was sending me somewhere right. But as I'm driving along, no cars anywhere. I'm thinking, God, this is like something out of The Shining. It really was. Winding through hills and then all of a sudden, this massive deer ran out and nearly hit the car. I had to swerve into the middle reservation. I was like, sat there for a second thinking, oh, thank God there's no cars. But this massive deer... It just honestly from nowhere and it's like literally in front of the car. If I hadn't slammed on my nose, I'd have hit it and the car would have been no more because it was a massive deer. Because people travel the states and go to all the cities more than these, these rural places by and large, you forget just how vast it's, it is. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's beautiful. Doing road trips over there is amazing and I got more benefit of doing road trips with the selfie guide because it was like I was in my own time and doing, doing what I needed to do. Oh beautiful you've worked with other pop stars as well haven't you yeah stars, i've done um, uh, musicians musicians yes. musos darling musos you wouldn't call noel a pop star would you but... god yeah you call him god yeah, yeah. God. <laughs> does he insist on that or are you doing no i do i just <laughs> he is he is just an amazing guy so who um, else have you worked with uh i've rock god rock rock god wise bruce springsteen do we Ooh. class that as a rock god <laughs> i think he's like the rock god isn't yeah. he bruce springsteen what did um, you do with him so every now and again the etihad will host big stadium gigs and Bruce came and he didn't have his own photographer he was using stadium photographers so we I got asked by his PR team because I was working at the club if I'd shoot it because it was our stadium so I worked with him and he actually spoke on the phone he was really lovely and really polite and really grateful that's that was that was good fun and all I'm his pictures to Bruce. And all, all right Bruce <laughs> the worst of it is my son's called Bruce oh no yeah. not after Bruce no no, no Bruce no. Lee Oh, right. I was massive, gonna, it's not Forsyth either. <laughs> massive Bruce Lee fan. Oh, oh, massive Bruce Lee fan. But yeah, so my son's called Bruce. So when he actually phoned me up and he, he had this American accent, he went, hi, it's Bruce. And I'm thinking, this is our kid taking the mick here. Do you know what I mean? Didn't think anything of it. And then I, I realised as the more he was talking, I'm thinking, holy God, it is Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> So I was like, hiya. Yeah, that was really sweet. That was really lovely. And then I've done, I've done Robbie a couple of times. Robbie Williams, take that. Bon Jovi, ACDC, Morrissey, Johnny Marr. There's Amazing. lots, really. Is this all at the Manchester City Stadium? No, various places as well, because music photography was what I did originally before sports. So and I based myself in Liverpool and did a lot of non-known bands, apart from I did the Wombats early on. And I worked at a record station called, pa a radio recording studio called Par Street Studios. So I used to go and photograph unknown bands. But then I also now do film festivals as well. So this year epically got to photograph Lady Gaga. Did you? Oh. Where the star is born. What an epic lady she is. <sighs> I've got, an, like? I've got an amazing Bradley Cooper story as well. Yeah, go on. I've got an amazing <laughs> Bradley Cooper. So Bradley Cooper, what a guy. What a man. So we we finished a tour in LA with Noel. And Noel says, oh, we're just going to have a few drinks backstage. So I'm like, yeah. He said, don't bring your cameras. You're all right. It's nothing. It's just have a drink. So he gets in this room and it's, mobbed with people I'm thinking party on anyway Noel's like oh there's Lars from Metallica the drummer from Metallica I'm like oh hello 
So I went and said hello, he introduced me. And then it was, this is um, the drummer from Blondie. So I was talking to, amazing. So I'm just sticking it all in thinking, how oh, your life has changed, Sharon stood in LA looking at all these famous people. And then I looked across the room and I just nudged Noel. I went, look at that geezer over there. He's the double of Bradley Cooper. And Noel just went, yeah, that's Bradders. Uh... And I was like, <laughs> so he said, come on, Chaz. No. Yeah, walked over, got introduced to Bradley Cooper, shook his hand. And then he stood up and was talking so gentleman, such a lovely man, talking really sweet, really nice. And then he said, oh, I've got to go. I'd been talking to him about the selfie guide as well, because I plug the selfie guide everywhere I go. And then he's like, oh, we should get a selfie then. I was like, yes, yes. we should. <laughs> I don't have to ask you. You've asked me. So I takes this selfie off he, off he tootles and I got some phones, uh, shots on my phone of him interacting with Noel just because I thought they might work. When I looked at the selfie... It's on, it's on my Instagram account if you want to have a look at it. But when I look at my, when I look at the selfie, the bass player from Noel's band has photobombed it in the back and it's like that. <laughs> stupid, silly, grinned face at the back of it. But it actually makes the picture look even cooler. So oh, I was worried you were going to say like there was a thumb on it. No, or no like that. God, no, I'd never make a mistake. But no, it was like there's, there's Russ in the background. And I said to him, I said, what did you do that for? He said, I've never photobombed a picture before, Shaz, and I never will again because I think I've peaked. I think you have, Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Cooper. So then fast forward to the film festival this year in Toronto. And the red carpet event was The Star Is Born. And there was this huge photography pit and you have to fight for a space and all the rest of it. There were about 60 photographers because it was the big event of the whole festival. And Gaga rocked up on the carpet looking amazing. And then Bradley rocked up. And I thought, I can't see here. So I grabbed this stool from, I'm six foot one and I still couldn't see. So I grabbed this stool from a, a video guy next but one to me. So I stood on this stool and I could see everything. I thought, oh, great long views, got this. Anyway, Bradley Cooper's walking down and he just looked up and he just went, oh, and pointed at me. I was like, no. And he went, hiya. And I was like, oh my God, he recognised me. I thought, I'm what a guy. Say, hiya. Yeah, well, no, not hiya. It was like, hi. I was like, oh. I was cool. I didn't, I didn't. All right, Brad. All right, brothers. Yeah, and again. then he walked down the red carpet. Oh, it was he like, recognised yeah. you. That's I thought amazing. that was so cool. You're practically like best friends. Oh, now. yeah. Yeah, that's it. No, we're married. <laughs> You know, he's leaving his wife for me. It's, it's all about me. Is he married? Oh, he's yeah. got some muddle, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful wife yeah. and beautiful child. Actually, talking of Bradley Cooper, he used to be. There's some really bad videos of him online before he was famous. He was a travel journalist or a travel... He did these travel videos. That's right, yeah, he did. And they're really not very good at they're all. Not. They're not. They're quite like, cringy. used to be better than those. <laughs> but he went on to be a big Hollywood star and I went on to, well, present the big travel podcast, which is not quite the same. But it's still good. <laughs> it's but still he, good. yeah, he... I should he, get him on, actually. You should. should I ring him? Yeah, ring him up. <laughs> Brothers, it's Shaz. <laughs> you remember, hiya. Hiya. <laughs> but yeah, so it is, it is a surreal situation because one minute you are photographing beautiful travel places and then I'm photographing rock gods and strange superstars. So are you interested in photography from a travel point of view or is it all about the people? No, no, no. It's it, the, the travel aspect of it is another element to what I do. Yeah, I, well, let's get on yeah. to the selfie app. Yeah, this, so, the, selfie so, so the selfie amazing. guide was, it was an idea I came up while I was still working at Man City. I shared the idea one day on a down day at Carrington. I was just feeling a bit low and I'd had a really rough night and it was like, oh God, these hours are ridiculous. 
What's and I was, Carrington, Harrington? Carrington was the training ground at Man City. Sorry, people will know that's very Yeah, no, but lots of people will know yeah, that. Yeah, so Man City's training ground was called Carrington back in the day. They've now moved to a beautiful, big, purpose-built complex. And I was sat around the dinner table with a couple of other players, one of them being Joe Hart. One of them was Carlos Tevez, I remember clearly. Richard Wright. And we were just sat having a, a coffee, and I was just like, oh, I've had enough of this, I'm going to leave. And they were all laughing at me, saying, you'll never leave, you're a lifer. And I'm like, no, I've got ideas. So I shared this idea that I had about the selfie guide. And I remember Joe Hart saying to me, where did you steal that from? I said, what do you mean? He said, where did you steal that idea from? And I said, I've not. I said, it's mine. And he's like, well, if you're being honest and if you're true, tell me when you start doing that, because I want in. He said, because I think that's brilliant. And if it's genuinely your idea, I want to be involved. Fast forward two years later, and I actually left. He phoned me up because we were very close friends. Phoned me up and he said, so are we doing this app then or what? So I was like, well, yeah, I want to. He said, right, off you go. Basically, the app is, it's a guide to all of the most beautiful sort of like travel destinations in the world. When you get there, for example, New York, the app will show you all of the key or what we deem to be the key selfie spots in New York. And it will literally take you to the specific place to take that selfie. And when you get to that spot, it will show you on the camera how to line up the background to make sure it's the right level and you've got everything in where to put your face and then take the picture. So it's a literal guide, an idiot-proof guide to get an amazing holiday memory snap. This is so key these days, you know, with the vital, Instagram vital. and everyone. It's almost like to many people that that's a huge part of traveling these days is yeah, getting those completely. right photos in the right place and, you know, looking good. And, and it's, diff it's difficult because some places are really difficult to photograph and get everything in. For example, one of the key examples I give is the Trevi Fountain. The Trevi Fountain is like an amphitheater and it's bizarre when you get there because you think, how am I going to get all of that? And there's also hundreds of people there. Yes, yeah. So I know, and I had a lot of research and a lot of messing and mulling about while I was there for an hour and a half, I know the three spots where you can stand, you can get a left angle, a right angle, but still get all of the fountain in and a central angle with nobody in the picture. That's great. And if it's still full, you can still get it. There are some attractions that you're never, ever going to get without people in. And again, th thinking about Rome is the Spanish Steps. Gets the Spanish Steps and it's just mobbed with people full stop. So unless you go there at 5am, which some people do, I then decided that the best thing to do was to take it up that top level and get the view over the top of Rome, which is brilliant. And then the lower angle, you still get the steps in. So, But yeah, it, they're all specifically, it's not just a random set of pictures. I've been to all of these locations. I've checked out everywhere I can. So there's a lot of popular destinations. But the other thing about the app is there's a lot of unusual places yes. that you wouldn't expect. So it's then acting as a guide for you to go and try and find some of these unusual, beautiful places. And there's everything from New Zealand, which is without doubt the most beautiful place ever to New York, Paris, London, Manchester, Rome, Berlin. So the key spots we've gone for, and we're adding spots, as, uh, adding locations as we go as well. How are you doing your research? Are you going to all these places? Yeah, I mean, wow. I do the research before. We find out some of the most popular destinations. We're also finding out trends that are places that are becoming very popular. And then we will do the market research on where the key locations are. We'll also take on board local Twitter or social media information and other travel vloggers' information where they've been and what they've found. So we'll try and gather as much data as we can before we get the get out there. How many destinations have you got on there at the moment? So there's 22 destinations with over 500 selfies. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, and I travel... guess you're just adding to them all the time. Oh, yeah. We're, We've got a new batch coming out sort of early next year. And 
I think we travelled, I travelled 47,000 miles to get what we've got in there so far. So there's another lot of adventures planned. This is another really terrible job you're doing, Sharon. It's, you know, you know the rock photography, know. the footballers. It sounds so bad. Yeah, no. But the thing is, you're on your own. It is quite isolating and I've got a really tight budget. It's literally, you know, 50 quid a night to try and find somewhere to stay. And we did LA. Have you tried staying in LA for 50 quid a night? Well, luckily my brother lives there. Next time oh, you need somewhere, go and no stay with my brother. Me. He's a musician. He'd love some photos. Oh. You could do a little, uh, a little swapping yeah. thing. Yeah, a little skill See? swap. I'm very lucky now. I have made lots of friends along the way. I've got friends in New Zealand, Canada, all over the world. It's brilliant. I've done those spots now. Yeah, you need the lesson. So if anybody wants to make friends with me in Fiji, that's one of the places. That's where my family are from. Fiji? Yeah. Oh, get in! (laughs) Seriously? My family from all over Fiji, like all around the main island. Fiji is one of the most... When are you going? We're trying to get out there in January, February. Oh, sorted. Tasmania. So I'm trying to do the west coast of Australia because we've done done the east coast in a camper van. You know, from the top of Cairns all the way down to Sydney, the Blue Mountains and everything. So I'm going to do the West Coast. So I'm going to go from Broome all the way around to Perth, then down to Melbourne, then from Melbourne to Tasmania, then from Tasmania to Fiji, then from Fiji to Hawaii, then from Hawaii across to either Bali or Thailand. And I'm desperately trying to get over to Tokyo for the cherry trees. I've got a great... I'd love to go to the cherry trees. I've never never been. Although Greenwich Park has some beautiful blossom. They do, yes. Really they do. Blossom. Um, I've got a friend who works as a stunt woman on Hawaii Five O in Hawaii. And she'd love to have you there. She could probably do like a little squill. Mate, skill honestly, swap, let me tell you. Some photos as well. Yeah, she's a seriously. stunt woman. So she's That's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. yeah, Hawaii, I've sort of mapped out just shot of three weeks because I want to do all of the islands because there are some amazing selfie spots in Hawaii as there were in New Zealand and Fiji I've got to try and get some extra footage because obviously social media is you know mega important I've got a drone so I'm taking a drone for Fiji to get some of the beaches and stuff like that and same with Tasmania Tasmania is quite a again a hidden gem with some amazing spots so I'm doing that side of the hemisphere again because the weather's not brilliant in Europe, so we might as well try and capture as much as that as we can. And then from there, obviously, once we get back to Europe, we'll do some more of Europe. At the moment, I'm doing Scotland. Some beautiful places. Unbelievable. And epic. also the beaches and, you know, the Welsh beaches. They like to rival the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. yeah. And at the top of Scotland, in the, in the Scilly Isles up there, wow. Yeah, so I've got all that mapped out to do as well. How are you balancing this? You mentioned you've got Bruce, you're a mum. How are yeah, you Yeah, I've got three children. You? And you've got three kids. And wow. two grandkids. Oh, seriously? <laughs> you don't look old enough. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so you've done all this travelling while you've got the kids at yeah. home. And I'm not just asking you because you're a woman, by the way. I do No, ask no, this it's, it's, well. it's hard work. Mm. It is hard work. So my daughter's 33, my youngest lad is 23, and then Bruce, my oldest boy, is 29. So they're all of a grown-up age, but they all still need you. But my two grandsons, Vincent and Heathcliff, Lovely. are 10, 11 this month and 8. So, yeah, it is a balance. But also my kids are really, really proud of what I do. Very encouraging uh, and very helpful. And they would have been, when you were doing all the Manchester City and all the, they yeah. would have been really young. Yeah, well, youngish. Yeah, much younger. But again, they're just so proud and, and it's, it's a big deal for them to have mum doing what she's doing. And I, I sort of couldn't do my photography at this scale while they were really young. So that's why I sort of went professional later in my life, because up until that point, it was a a massive hobby that I did since I was eight. I've been taking photographs since I was eight years old. My dad died and I got his camera. 
and that's how I started. And I never, ever not took photos since I was eight years old. Ah, oh, so your dad died when you were eight. Eight years old, yes. Yeah. So, and then from that, that was his. That was that was his thing. That's what he did. That was his hobby. That's how he unwound. So I got his camera when he died, and, and as I say, it was part of him, and it allowed me then to sort of like be creative because I was a bit of a arty farty as a as a kid. But I think I found then that that was my niche. But then as you grow up and have kids. They become your priority. They're your life. I worked full time as well. I had various ex-husbands. <laughs> various. <laughs> various ex-husbands. Um, so I've had to be the main breadwinner. So even though photography was always my passion, it was always there. It was not something I could make a living out of when you've got three kids. And then as they grew up, that's when I took the leap and they were they were so supportive. I'm sure they are so proud of you. I'm sure your dad would be really proud of you. Yeah. Hell, I'm proud of you. I've only just oh, met you and I'm you. proud of you as well. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything I've missed before I go on to my last questions? Let me tell Joe's involvement with the app. Oh, Joe yes. Hart. Yeah, yeah. So what is Joe Hart's involvement in the app? So Joe is my co-director and co-founder. So from the start, he's been involved with the design, the conception, because you've got to remember this was just an idea in my head. And then to go from an idea in my head to actually building an app has been a big leap. And Joe's been unbelievably supportive. So he's the co-director and co-founder of the app. Nice guy. Amazing. Desi Mates. Oh, lovely. Top bloke. Oh. Where is he these days? He's at Burnley. Burnley, right. Yeah, he's at Burnley. So he's been all over since City. He's at Burnley and enjoying it as well. Oh, good. That's really good. Um, we're Brighton and Hove Albion fans. And oh, my, nice. My husband's got a season ticket. I don't go. And Brighton's yeah. a beautiful place Brighton's as well. Brighton's a great place, yeah. yeah. Selfie spots in Brighton. Yeah, really good spots. Yeah, I'll help you with that one if you need yeah. any advice. And with Fiji, we'll sort Desperately out. need yeah. Fiji in Hawaii. I'm so happy I said that, mate. <laughs> Honestly. I'm so happy. It's, honestly, as I say, trying to keep in a budget of 50 quid a night is impossible. And in LA, I ended up in Compton. But, hey, these are experiences. It's not, it's not on the up yet, is it? No, no these are the experiences. These are the experiences of life, and 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 I could write a whole book or do a whole podcast on travelling in a camper van. Oh, really? The experiences in New Zealand and Australia are bookworthy. Why? Tell me. I can't say it on radio because uh-huh. some of them are a little <laughs> dodgy. <laughs> it's not radio. The beauty of a podcast no, is you honestly, can do what you like. Yeah. The life on the road in a camper van is is completely different and so much fun. And the people you meet are so open-minded and so liberating. And there's always alcohol involved. <laughs> and yeah great fun great fun tell me one of a tell me about a wild night out in new zealand yes i can yes. very much so my favorite Good. one this is honestly true basically because and anybody who's listened to this podcast and traveling in new zealand will know that in queenstown one of the best places to go to is a place called milford sound it's the tourist part of that part of the world and it's a beautiful it's like the lake district on acid basically it's got fountains it's got waterfalls lord of the rings some of it was filmed there it's beautiful so I'd planned to go to Milford Sound on this specific day, but there's only one road in and one road out. So you can either get coach trips there, which is four hours in and four hours out. And I'm like, I haven't got time. I'm on a schedule. So you can get these plane rides over. You have to check in the morning before the flight because the weather changes so dramatically. So I rang in the morning. I'd only intended to stay in Queenstown three days. I rang in the morning and they said, nope, can't fly today. It's going to be tomorrow. And I thought, well, I'm not missing it because it's selfie-tastic. So I waited and I thought, right, I'll just stay in the camper van and just chill out for the evening. And I made friends with this amazing couple called Nina and Tom. Nina and Tom, I hope you're listening because you are an amazing couple. And uh, we got absolutely plastered. We got absolutely leather drunk and in this amazing pizza bar, which is quite famous as well. And um, there was this poor guy sat at the bar and he was on his own and he was drinking. And I thought, oh, 
I'll look after him. So I said, come and sit with us, come and sit with us. Typical New Zealand block. He's like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. I'm just having a bad day. I said, no, come join us. Anyway, he sat down, carried on drinking, proceeded to get very, very drunk. Fast forward to me in a cab, going back to this guy's house. So I was like, should we be doing this? This is not a good look, but I thought, no, sod it. So he gets to the door, gets to his front door. This is not what I like. Gets to his front door, he gets his keys out and he turns to me and he goes, shh. And I'm thinking, oh no, there's a dog. This is going to be a trap fight. And he went, shh, the wife's in bed. <laughs> and I just went, literally, run, no, it gets better. It gets better. I ran down the road and got in the cab that I'd just got out of and, and set off. Went to bed in my camper van. It was late. Woke up in the morning and I thought, Milford Sound, okay, off we go. So gets a cab to the airport, gets to the airport and this lovely lady signing me and she said, right, yeah, we're flying, it's all good. So she said, if you just go around the corner, gets around the corner, the guy from the night before was the air pilot. <laughs> Honestly, you could not write it. Uh, I walked around the corner, he stood there, he was like, oh my God. And there was two things that ran through my mind. I thought, you absolute knob. And then the other one was, I know how much you drank last That's night. That's exactly what I was thinking. you're going to fly a plane? Yeah. And he did. <laughs> and he said to me, you can sit in the front with me. You can sit in the front with me. I said, whatever. And there was like three Japanese tourists in the back as well who booked on the flight. And I'm sat in the front with him and he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't do those sort of things. I'm so hungover. I'm so hungover. I'm so <laughs> sorry. And I'm like, oh, no. oh my God. He said, it's all right. I'm going to teach you how to fly. What? So he let me have a flying lesson midair over to Milford Sound and I flew part, part of the way to Milford Sound. It was brilliant. Remind me not to fly with him. <laughs> Honestly, I won't, I won't name the little airline. There's about 15 of them as well that you can choose from. So it's like, how the hell did that happen? Yeah, that is a very strange coincidence. I'll be going there next year, so I will look them up. I will look him up. Will You've got to go to Milford Sound if you're yeah, going there next been, year. Yeah. You've not been to New Zealand? I've never been to New Zealand. I've been to Australia a few times and Fiji, but not um, New Zealand. Are, so that's my honestly, linking those, that trio up is, uh, next year. It is, without doubt, the most beautiful place I've been to so far. And I would highly recommend it to everybody. And I think it's it's an experience that you've got to do. And you've got to do it in a camper van. Okay. You've got to Will because do. you get to see mm. more of it. You can't really Even do it. Even I'll have a way. seven and five year old. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Do it. You can get a big enough one and you seriously will see the best parts of it. Use the selfie guide because it takes you all around the coastlines as well. I will. I'm, I'm downloading it now. It's it brilliant. sounds amazing. It's it sounds brilliant. really amazing. Oh, I have one last question. Go on. You're going to find it quite difficult to choose, I think. But my last question is always about music and. Uh, because I think music, well, for you especially, but for me and lots of people, music and travel go hand in hand. If you had to choose one song that reminds you of a special time or a place of travel, what is that song and why? Oh, my God. <laughs> there's two things here, because there's two eras, because I'm an old bird, remember. There's one for the past from when I was younger, and it's quite a, a, a melancholy song, and it's Sorrow by David Bowie. Oh, yeah. And it's the first holiday uh, after my dad died that we properly had I was older but it, it, I think I was about god I can't remember how old I was but I was older and it's the first holiday we'd had since he died and it was it was it was really impactive as we were driving up to Scotland I remember it really clearly so that's that one that's a melancholy one but then driving around New Zealand seriously the whole Catfish in the Bottle album oh really oh yeah that will just always, and when a catfish in the when that album song comes on now, it just takes me straight back to New Zealand because the roads and the, the area is so quiet, there's nobody there, you can crank it right up. And I just, 
blast. I blasted that out the whole trip. And that now, whenever I hear it, just takes me straight back to New Zealand and makes me feel so happy. So yeah, you do correlate the two because that, that David Bowie song does sort of melancholize, but also it reminds me of the rolling hills driving up there. But then the catfish reminds me of banging the tunes out driving around New Zealand. Oh, I love it. Absolutely brilliant choices. Did you ever meet David Bowie? Yes. I met him as well. I've got another, I've got a great David Bowie Oh, come on. <laughs> Yours is probably better than mine. I just met him backstage at Wembley briefly. I was in music before travel. I got, I met him backstage. It was the Glass Spider tour in Manchester and I was a lot younger. And my friend had got us a PR job working backstage, just running coffees and all the rest of it. And Brian Ferry was there as well. And they were all sat on this couch after the gig chilling out. And my friend was a lot younger than me and she'd got me this gig and she was like, oh, well, yeah, you can come along and help, but um, my dad's picking us up and, and he'll get us back home. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Anyway, I was just like such a massive David Bowie fan. So we're backstage and Brian Ferry and David Bowie sat on the couch chilling and talking and what have you. And um, David Bowie's like being really lovely with me and he's like, I'll have another beer. Yeah, please, I'll have another beer. Come and sit and down and talk to us. And I was like, yeah. I was a lot younger and a lot prettier then. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll do. I'm thinking, oh, this is amazing. And as I sat down and talking to him and, and Brian Ferry and trying to be mature and grown up and act a lot older than my age, my friend walks over and she went, my dad's going to be here in five minutes to take us home. I was like, oh, how embarrassing. Anyway, David Boy says, no, 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 you can't leave, Sharon. He said, we're going back to the Midland when the Midland Hotel was a big, posh hotel back in the day. He said, come and have a drink with us at the Midland. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So she scootles off. So I'm still sat there chatting and bobbling my head away like having a good time. She comes back and she said, my dad's here now, we've got to go. Because my dad said, we'll get you back. And I'm like, oh. Anyway, I ignored her. Wall betide. Two minutes later, her dad walked. Oh, no. <laughs> so I stood up and he's like, no, no, you're not going, Sharon. This is David Bay. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've got to go. I've got to go. And he went, oh, anyway, kiss me. <laughs> what? Listen, listen. <laughs> he kissed me. What? Took his tie off and gave me his tie. Wow. Honestly. I bet and my mate just wanted to come in and see David and see what so, was going Well, on. I reckon he did, actually. Mm. But my mate's dad was like, Right, I think we better go now, Sharon. Come on, let's go. And I was like, <laughs> absolutely. It was like the best experience of my life. And David Bowie's like, yeah, but I could have been Mrs. Bowie. You could, you could. But it was unbelievable. At the time, it was unbelievable and amazing. Mm. Oh, I've got David Bowie's tie. But then as you get older, you realise, yeah. especially in my 20s, I, I sat back and looked at it and I thought... Her dad rescued you, probably. Probably, from yeah. Would have been a, would have been a great story, but but actually... a different experience at fifteen years old. Yeah. He was still very courteous, very enigmatic. He wasn't being parry or pervy or anything like that. So, where can we find you? Where can we find the selfie guide? Where can we find you? So, you can find the selfie guide on social media. So, first of all, we're on Instagram. So that's at the selfie guide two to, and then we're on Twitter. Yay, we've just joined Twitter now, actually, adding to the social media channels. And that's just The Selfie Guide. And then we've got a website, selfieguide.co.uk. And then we've got a Facebook page, which is Selfie Guide. And then you can find my personal Instagram, which has lots of music photography, which is just Selfie Guide Shaz. Thank you so much, Sharon. A thoroughly enjoyable conversation. Next week, we have Train Guru, the man in seat 61, and also coming up, food critic Giles Corrin and adventurer Lizzie Carr.
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.